What a powerful song, huh? Someone asked me last week, says, you know, Pastor, your sermons have been powerful here lately. Are you preaching these sermons just to get us ready for the evangelistic meetings? And I had to tell him, I said, no, I'm trying to get you ready for the end of this world because I believe that Jesus is coming so soon that there's not much time left. We can see it in everything that's happening around us. We know, we can just feel it in the air. People are, are searching and looking for things that are happening in this world who are not even Christians at all, are saying, what's going on? And uh, they're looking for something to take place, and they want answers. That's why I'm glad that we're having these evangelistic meetings coming up in September, uh, because I'm praying that those individuals will come and we'll be able to share some answers with them of uh, what they're looking for and what's going to happen in the days to come. I wish you could all come to the Wednesday night uh, Bible studies that we're having here. Um, we're looking at Armageddon. The word is only used once in the entire Bible, and that's in Revelation 16:16. 16, 16. And uh, we're taking a look very closely at trying to figure out what Armageddon is all about. You know, people have a lot of ideas down through the ages. Some say that World War I was Armageddon. Some said it was World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the war in Iraq. Some say it's war in, in Iran. Some say Russia is going to rise up again and it's going to be a war with Russia. Everybody has their own speculations about it, but we're taking a very close look at Armageddon because it's not really a physical war. It's a spiritual war. And we discovered last Wednesday that uh, there is a counterfeit, unholy trinity that is really going to rise up. And we're going to study this week that this unholy trinity is going to have a false Pentecost. You know what Pentecost is? Pentecost was after the resurrection of Jesus and he went up into heaven and the disciples met in the upper room and they were overwhelmed. How are we ever going to share the gospel like Jesus said to the entire world? And so they decided that they needed a time to pray and so they got together and they prayed and all of a sudden the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon those individuals and they went out and they began to speak in different languages sharing the everlasting gospel to the world and thousands were baptized in one day and they'd go out the next day and they'd share again and thousands of people were baptized the next day and that just continued on till the Bible says the gospel went to the known world that was the Pentecost there this unholy trinity is going to come up with an unholy Pentecost and in this process of doing so is to deceive the world to follow after the beast that's what it talks about in Revelation to follow the beast to go wherever he goes which in reality is following the devil and when you follow the devil you go to destruction you follow Jesus you go to eternal life it's going to be one way or the other and the, and the book of Revelation talks about there's, no go, there's not going to be any in-between people. No one straddling the fence. You're either going to be on one side or you're going to be on the other. 
So at the exact same time that this unholy trinity is sharing this false Pentecost, at the exact same time there's going to be another Pentecost that's going to take place where God's people is going to share what we call the three angels' message. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Revelation chapter 14. I know Linda already read it, but we want to look at this. We're going to really focus on the the uh, first angel that comes out, Revelation chapter 14. We want to look at starting with verse 6. And I saw another angel, and some people in some denominations get hung up on this word angel. The word angel in the Greek really means messenger. So I saw someone coming with a, a message, flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. There's that gospel that was preached by the disciples at the first Pentecost. And so it's going to be another preaching of the gospel at the same time that this unholy trinity is sharing. Okay, uh, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. So when the false trinity is preaching and trying to get people to follow the beast, God's people is going to be preaching to follow God. And you're going to have to make a choice one way or the other. To every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. I guess that goes to about everybody, doesn't it? Saying with a loud voice, here's a part of their message. They're not only going to preach about the gospel of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, which is extremely important, because there's no other way that I can have eternal life until I can understand the death of Jesus on the cross and why he died for us and how it's not what I do, but it's what he has done already for us. Okay, we're going to have that everlasting gospel saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and the springs of water. I want to zero in on that phrase, Fear God and give glory to Him. What does it mean? Is it some type of cryptic coded message that only certain people can break? Is it something that is so mysterious that it's hard to understand? When I was in the Navy, I was in communications, and one of the jobs that I had was to, to uh, I was in cryptography. We had to take messages that were coded in cryptic message so the enemy whoever that might be, doesn't pull it out of the air and, and open it up and discover sometimes those cryptic messages was only ordering of supplies. Top secret cryptic message, ordering watermelons to come to their ship. But sometimes it was real top secret stuff and, and we had to break that. Is that what this is? Is this a real cryptic message that's coming from God? I don't think it's so cryptic as what we think it is. Well, we're going to break it down. We're going to break it down into two parts. Today we're going to look at the fear. And then next week we're going to look at the part that says give glory to him. They go together, but we don't have time to look at both of them. I was going to try and I kept trying and I thought, these people love me, but they're not going to want to sit here for two and a half hours. And I don't want to hear your stomachs growling for that long either. So we're going to break it down. To understand the fear of the Lord, 
we've got to look at another text. You see, the book of Revelation takes a lot of things out of the Old Testament to add to its meaning and to its story. So if I'm going to understand what it says in the book of Revelation, I've got to go back to the Old Testament and see what it's really talking about. So you want to turn to the book of Proverbs. Good old Solomon, the wisest man, asked for wisdom from God when God says, you know, what would you like? And he says, I'd like to have wisdom. James says if any of us are lacking wisdom, all we have to do is ask of God. And he was bold enough to ask, and God granted it to him. And so he's going to share his wisdom to us. If we turn to Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9, and I want to look at verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Here's our word, the fear of the Lord. That's what we saw in the book of Revelation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Hmm. This is called in theological terms a paral- an idea of parallelism. And what we mean by that is that it has two connecting verbs that are in this particular sentence. So what it says about the first thing also includes the second thing. And so when we're looking at this, in verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is. There's the connecting word. Because if you look down a little bit later, it says, And the knowledge of the Holy One is. Those are the connecting. That makes it parallel. There, You can interchange it back and forth. The fear of the Lord is and the knowledge of the Holy One is. What this is saying is that the fear of the Lord is wisdom and knowledge and understanding of whom? The Holy One. It's to somehow this message is going to come across not only about the message of Jesus, but it's going to come across in such a way that people are going to get what I call the great aha moment. They're going to hear it in such power, in such conviction, that when they hear the story of Jesus, when it is included with this knowledge and understanding of God that's going to be shared, the people are going to sit there and they're going to go, Aha! Now it makes sense! And you get a flat forehead. The fear of the Lord is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the Holy One. To fear God means to take Him seriously. Because when we get to this point, you're either going to be on one side or the other. So you've got to take God's message. It's going to go out to the world. This second Pentecost, at the same time that the unholy Trinity is sending out a false Pentecost to try to get people to worship and say, you're not worshiping God, you need to worship over here. It's going on at the same time. People's going to have to have some type of understanding of saying, this is the way I want to go. This is the power that I want to follow with. This is what I've been looking for. This is the only thing that can give to me eternal life. 
It's powerful stuff what we're looking at. And brothers and sisters, do you know who's going to share this message? We are. So if we're going to share this message and share with people this this understanding and this wisdom about the Holy One, about God, then it wouldn't it make sense that we should know it as well too? We can't share anything that we don't know. I know you hate the illustrations of Amway, and pardon me if there's any Amway distributors that are here, but one of the things that they know that makes it so successful is if you're going to share that product or any of the products with someone else, you, before you can do it, have to be sold on it yourself. I mean, it just makes sense. If you're sold on it, you're going to be excited about it and you're going to be able to share it. And it's the same way with this message that's going to come across. Now, good old wise Solomon, he adds a little more information. The first eight chapters of Proverbs, and we're not going to read the first eight chapters, so take my word for it, but if you want to, go home and read it this afternoon. You don't have anything else to do other than sleep. But the first eight chapters of Proverbs, Solomon writes about the wisdom and the importance of knowing God. He's trying to share it with his son. He's trying to teach him. He's saying, now look, son, there's many things in this world, but the one thing that you can count upon is the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge of God. The fact is that he makes wisdom seem so important that there's nothing more valuable in all the earth. This is what you've got to have, son. You have to have this wisdom of God. Nothing else matters in this world. That's going to be true at the end of time with God's people. There's not one thing in this world that is going to be of top priority except this knowledge of God. That's the only thing that it can be. Because if my job becomes the priority, or if something else becomes my priority, my car becomes my priority, if my family becomes my priority above God, they can't give me eternal life. There's no way. And so I have to have this understanding about God. I have to to totally trust Him in everything. Because not only is the power of the Holy Spirit going to be working through God's people at the end of time, but there is going to be a satanic power that's going to be working at the exact same time that the Bible says that if it were possible, it would fool the very elect. We're talking about real power that's going to be there that is going to be overwhelming. And if I don't have an understanding and a knowledge of God, I'm going to be fooled. Remember, I'm going to be on one side or the other. And it's going to be my choice as to which side I'm going to be upon. And if I don't have the understanding of God, then 
I've got a problem because then I'm automatically going to be flipped over this side of the fence. I don't need an understanding about this side of the fence because I'm automatically going to be attracted to it. It is going to be so overwhelming, so powerful, so real that our senses are going to say, this is what you want. And until I have an understanding and a knowledge of God, I am going to desire this side over here. I'm not going to desire God's side until I begin to understand what he's saying. So in chapter 9, Solomon begins to show a difference between those who are wise and those, those who are on this side and those who are not. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8. Look at verse 8. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? But look at it a moment. Look at it for a moment. If I correct someone that's on this side and tell them that they're wrong and they don't have an understanding about God, what are they going to do? They're going to attack you. And Jesus told his disciples, now remember, when they come and attack you, they're not really attacking you personally. They're attacking me. They're attacking my message because they don't want to believe in it. If they, want to, if, if they believe in it, it means they've been fooled, they've been wrong. And people who are sinful individuals do never want to admit that they're wrong. Take a look at yourself for a second. Have your spouse point out something you're doing wrong and you don't want to admit it. But look on that contrasting side. Look at the... The wise man. This is the one who has the understanding of God. You go and you take this wise man and you tell him he's doing something wrong. And you know what he says? I praise the Lord. Thank you. The Lord is pointing out to me what I'm doing wrong. So I have an opportunity to be able to change by the power of God. Thank you for showing that to me. Boy, what a difference. What a difference between the two. So old Solomon, he, he's showing. That's, that's a big difference between those two. A mocker hates the instruction and the wisdom of God. He feels he's restricted of his freedom. And when he, when he uh, uh, feels this way, he begins to attack. But that wise man, the one who knows God, who loves God's instruction whose God is priority within his life, he sees rebuke as an opportunity for God to change him into a better person. Why is it that the mocker hates God? Well, in reality, he's set himself up as his own God. I know what's best for me. You can't tell me that I'm doing something wrong. I'm the God of my life. I know what I can and what I can't do. I want to be like the Most High. 
I want to set my throne above the clouds of heaven. Sound familiar? That's what sin is. Sin is selfishness. Sin is allowing self to control. When self controls, Satan controls. When Satan controls, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the gospel. So that has to be my priority. And this mocker hates God because I want to be God. Who needs that God you're talking about? He, he, he makes me do things that I don't want to do. I am more important than your God. We read in verse 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The mocker has no knowledge or understanding of the Holy One or His divine ways. He doesn't understand the attributes of God. He doesn't understand what God is trying to do. He doesn't understand the gift that He's giving up. He, all He understands is, is I want to do what I want to do and no one else can make me do it. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. A wise person realizes that all he thinks, all he does, all he is, he's accountable to God for everything. Do you understand that? No matter what I do in everything of my life, what I think, even what I eat, what I drink, everything in my life that I do, I am accountable to God for my choice. I can either allow the power of God to change me, and I say, Lord, I'm willing. You, you tell me what it is, and I'll do it. No questions asked, because I know this comes from God. Always, I've used this illustration before, but I'm always reminded of the 85-year-old of the lady that I was giving Bible to in Chicago. Now, an evangelist will tell you, anyone that's over the age of 60 has a hard time changing their lives, especially for spiritual things. It's almost impossible to convert a person over 60. It's not totally impossible, but the reality is they're so set in their sinful ways that it's hard for them to change. Most evangelists would tell you the easiest to change is anywhere from about 20 years of age on up to about 40, somewhere right around in there. This lady was 85, given her Bible studies. Very strong German lady. Those of you who have been around German ladies, you know how strong-willed they can be, or German men, too. And so we were coming to the Bible about the Sabbath. And I thought, oh, man, what are we going to do? This lady is so set in her ways, there's no way, this is my own sinful nature coming in, there's no way she's going to change. She's 85. We presented to her the Sabbath. She sat there quietly. I said, what do you think? She says, if my Lord says it, 
I will do it. Wow. Her 90-year-old boyfriend said the same thing, too, and we baptized them both. He died a week later after his baptism. That's the wisdom of God. If God says it, I'm going to do it. Because he's my God. And I know, and she said, I know, he will give me the power and the ability to be able to change my ways and to accept his way. And he did. So the fear of the Lord is wisdom. This wise person realizes that all that he does and all that he thinks and everything, he's held accountable to God for his decisions that he's going to make. And God says, you know, come after me. I'll help you. I won't leave you stranded, but just come on over to my side. Make the decision to come on over. Really, if you look in the Garden of Eden, it all started with a decision. Satan tempted, but it was up to Adam and Eve as to whether they were going to eat the forbidden fruit. God already instructed to them what would happen if they did. So they knew, and they had to make their choice. Which way am I going to go? And they made the wrong choice. So it's still the same decision that we have to make today. Do I trust God enough? Do I have enough confidence in His wisdom to be able to follow His way? Because His way leads to eternal life. Do I trust that He'll give me eternal life? He says that He will. He promises that He will. He sent His Son Jesus that says that He will. He sealed it on the cross. But I've got to say, yep. Or I've got to reject it. Take a look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter. That's right before 2 Peter if you're having a hard time. Just thought I'd help you. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17. First Peter. If you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now does that mean that because when I call on the Father, I'm supposed to be afraid? Am I supposed to be afraid of him? There's that word fear. Often we think of fear as being scared. Do I do things God's way because I am scared of Him? He's going to cast judgment upon me? Well, there is an element of that, but it depends on my understanding of God. If I don't have an understanding of God, if, 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 uh, um, if the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom and and I don't want or I reject his wisdom, if I, remock, if I mock God and I reject his ways and his teachings, then in the last days, in Jesus, when he comes, something's going to happen to us. Take a look at Revelation chapter 6. I want you to see what will happen to those individuals that mock God, mock his ways, mocks his wisdom. They don't want to do it. They want to do it their way. Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. 
Revelation 6, verses 15 and 16. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, and that talks about just about everybody, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. Who is it that is coming? It's the second coming of Jesus. They're saying, Kill me! They're afraid of the Lamb. They're afraid of Jesus. Because they've mocked Him. They've done things His way. They can't stand to be when He comes in all of His glory. Because when He comes in all of His glory, sin will be destroyed. It can't exist in the presence of the glorified Jesus. They hide in fear. Because they rejected the wisdom of the Lord, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, is what the Bible says, because of the great terror in facing the God of the universe. He had never been the priority of their lives, or they thought that they were worshiping and following Him in His ways, but because they were unwilling to listen and to understand and reject all the wisdom and the counsel that comes from the Bible and comes from God's people in the last days, they'll say, no, I'm going to worship God in my way. I know the Bible doesn't say that, but I'm going to do it this way because this is the way I've always done it. This is the way my parents have done it. This is the way my grandparents have done it. I'm worshiping God. And in reality... They're not worshiping God. They're following after the false Pentecost, the false Trinity. But the wise who fear the Lord, who has wisdom and understanding of the Lord, they see His coming in a different light. They rejoice when they see Jesus coming in the cloud. He has come to rescue us, to save us, and to get eternal life. But let's go back to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9. And verse 9. It says, again, we're talking about this wisdom, because the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Give instruction to a wise man. That's the one who follows the priority is to follow after God. Give instruction to the wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. What is he becoming wise with? What is his learning? What is it increasing? Is it about the world? No, it's not about the world. It's his understanding, his wisdom, his knowledge about God. It's his trust, his faith. It increases. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You're going to need that faith because it's this faith that's going to help us get through when this false trinity is going to share its false Pentecost because he's going to try to fool the very elect. And you and I can't stand up against it on our own power. This is a power like we've never seen before in our lives. 
Do you remember when Jesus died on the cross? And the instructions were given to the soldiers to guard the tomb where Jesus was. The instruction was that when they rolled that stone in there and they sealed it, they said, don't let anyone come in or go out of this tomb. And what came down out of heaven and sat on the tomb and rolled that big old stone out of the road? One angel. Okay? And what happened to those Roman soldiers with all of their weapons, all of their intelligence of knowing how to fight wars and to win and everything else? The Bible says they all fell as dead men at the presence of one good angel. Brothers and sisters, what was Satan? He was a created being. He was a covering cherub. He was an angel. And he fooled a third of the angels in heaven. And they were cast out of heaven, cast down to this earth. Brothers and sisters, if one good angel has the power to make men fall like dead men down to the ground, what do you think the power of thousands of angels on the wrong side is going to do and how much strength and wisdom and power we have against them? When this false Pentecost takes place, it is going to be so nerve-wracking that the only way that we're going to be able to get through it is when we have the wisdom, the power, and the knowledge, and the faith in the true God. And it's the same thing is that when we begin to share this wisdom that we have, when we begin to share the gospel with other people, it's going to increase our faith. It's going to increase our knowledge in Him. It is going to make us to be people that will be powerful enough to be able to stand against the devil himself. So what's your priority this morning? Is it your job? Is it your school? Is it your car? Your house? Do you know why I think we're having so many foreclosures? God is slowly taking away things to be able to say, you've got to be dependent upon me. Can't depend on selling your house and taking that money and getting you out of a fix. Can't depend on your job. Thousands of people are losing their jobs. Can't depend on your job to earn money to get you out of your problems. You can only depend on one, and that's the true God in heaven. And you've got to put your faith and your trust in me. That's what we're, why we're going through what we're going through. Brothers and sisters, we are either going to increase our wisdom for what we're going through into the true God, or we're going to choose not to follow him, or we're going to go on the wrong side. Does that make sense? That's what's happening. We can't afford to take our minds and our focus of attention off of God during this time. We can't afford to, to go to another church that very seldom preaches the gospel of God and think that the music is going to get us through and, and focuses our attention upon God. It is where the gospel of God is preached with boldness. That's going to increase our wisdom and our understanding and our faith and our strength in Him to see us through to the end of time. I don't apologize for the gospel. I wished I could sit here and preach to you real nice things 
But let me tell you that as I read, there will be a lot of people even in our own denomination that are going to fall onto the wrong side because priorities were all messed up. Proverbs 9, verse 11. You ready to go on or you want me to continue? For by me your days will be multiplied. This is by God. This is for the wise. And years of life will be added to you. Does that mean that you're going to live to be 106 or 110? When will days be multiplied and life added to me? When I have my total faith, In Jesus Christ and his gospel, I have eternal life. That's quite a few days added to me, isn't it? Doesn't mean, it's not a promise that says that I won't be struck down by lightning tomorrow or I won't get run over by a car or I won't get cancer or won't have any of those things. But even if I do, I have the assurance from God himself that I have eternal life and my faith is in him. That's a pretty good promise. When a believer turns away from evil, that is understanding. And we grow in our wisdom, our wisdom of God, that increases our faith. So to fear God is to understand his ways. It's not to run away from him, but to run to him. President Abraham Lincoln once wrote that they were having a kind of a national prayer, day of prayer, and he couldn't be at this place, the meeting place, and so he wrote a letter, sent it to him. And he's talking about the people of the United States. And he says in his first sentence, We have forgotten God. And then he continues on. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us and have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. We have been intoxicated with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and persevering grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. And then he says it behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. He's saying we've, we've become so blessed that we think that that's going to continue forever because of our efforts of what we've done. Well, those blessings are being taken away. Some of you are feeling the economical pinch that you're feeling yourself in. Some of you are, 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 have homes 
that are being threatened to be taken away. Some of you are going through major struggles with sicknesses and some of you are struggling with school and finances and everything else and you're beginning to wonder what's going on. Well, let me tell you is that now is the time to drop to our knees and to say, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We accept your way. We accept your gospel. We accept your guidance and your power because our power has failed. Is that what you want? Because when I come to that point of humbly coming to the Lord, admitting my own failures, my own downfalls, my own problems, when I seek wisdom and understanding, then great things are going to be done in our lives like we've never seen before. That's my desire. Let's take our hymnals. As we sing, let's kind of let this be our prayer to God be the glory, great things he has done. So love he the world that he gave us his son. I want you to think about those words because they're not just words. It is, it is an understanding that we have to have. And we have to know about this great God who is working for our his glory within our life. And then next week we're going to talk more about glory. So I want you to be here because there was part of that. We only talked about the fear of the Lord is wisdom and understanding. What about when we begin to preach that we're to preach about the glory? But let's turn in our hymnals to this hymn 341.
Oh, Holy Father, we have come to fear you, not to run away from you, but to gain wisdom and understanding of your ways within our lives. We want to make you a priority within our life over everything, over our money, over our people that we're in contact with, our, our jobs, our possessions, everything. For there is none of those things at all that can give us eternal life except through Jesus Christ our Lord. Give us that understanding and that power to be able to share that Pentecostal message of the gospel of Jesus and the fear of the Lord as the understanding and the wisdom that we have through you to be able to give it to others so that they will not be fooled but be able to make the choice to come to the side of Jesus Christ and have eternal life is our prayer in his name. Amen.